Well, good morning. It's so good to see you here as a part of uh, St. Mark's worship this morning. I know we've got a lot of folks traveling for spring break, and our prayers are with those families as they travel and that they would come safely back to us again soon. Uh, we are in our final week of a sermon series called Boot Camp for the Soul. This has been our Lenten sermon series, and the hope and the prayer that I had for this series is that we would spend this season of Lent and see it as a time of short, rigorous, intensive training to prepare us for whatever it is that life may have for us in the future. And this time of boot camp would be a time where our spiritual lives are strengthened as a result of this time of focused training. Today, our passage of Scripture is this passage from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. And the title of the sermon today is Dead End, Dead End. You know, if you were with us last week, you'll remember that the scripture that I preached from was the scripture where David was anointed as Israel's second king. And then today's scripture reading is really about the revival or the renewal of Israel. So what in the world happened between last week's scripture where David is being anointed as king and this week's scripture, which has Israel in some need of being revived or being renewed? Well, the short answer to that question is exile. Exile. You see, the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the north and the south. And the northern kingdom of Israel were, were defeated by a group of people called the Assyrians. And then years later, the southern kingdom entered into battle, and they were defeated by a group of people known as the Babylonians. And regardless of which one of those exiles we're talking about, the winning people took the losing people away. They separated them from their homes. They separated them from the lands. They made these people go back to their regions, the, the region of the victors, and live there. It was an awful, awful experience uh, for these people. And, and they were cut off and they were separated from all that mattered to them, their family, their friends, their communities, even their faith. They were separated and disconnected from as a result of this exile. Now, Ezekiel is from the southern kingdom. And so when Ezekiel and, and his people were defeated by the Babylonians, they got sent off into exile into Babylonia. And that's where Ezekiel was. And, and it has been a terrible, terrible experience for them to be cut off from everything that mattered to them. They had zero hope left. They had seen their temple destroyed. They had seen the holy city plundered. Thousands and thousands of their friends and family were killed. And even though the people that weren't killed, they still felt like a part of them was dying because they'd been disconnected from everything that mattered to them. It was an awful experience. And while Ezekiel is in exile in Babylonia, he has these seven visions now, some of these were visions 
of uh, judgment against Israel for their unfaithfulness to God. Some of these visions were judgment against other nations. Thankfully, some of these visions were actually to show that despite the unfaithfulness of Israel, that God had promised them future blessings. And as we pick up in our scripture lesson this morning, it's really kind of hard to tell at the outset just what kind of vision this is. It's one of Ezekiel's seven visions, but at first it almost feels like a vision that is a vision of judgment against the nation of Israel. And the reason why it feels like it might be judgment is because the hand of the Lord leads Ezekiel out into the middle of this valley, and it is full of dry, dead bones. And all of these bones are separated from one another. All of these bones are disconnected from one another in the same way that Israel has been separated and disconnected from one another because of the exile. And as God is leading Ezekiel around this valley of dry, dead bones, God asks Ezekiel a question, and that is, can these bones live? Now, I want to confess to you that this particular passage of Scripture became a lot more personal to me a couple of years ago. Because you might remember in March of 2020, something happened. We were attacked. We were attacked by an enemy that felt as strong as the Babylonians or the Assyrians. And one of the things that this enemy, COVID-19, did for us is that it put all of us in exile. All of a sudden, we were disconnected. All of a sudden, we were separated from everything that really mattered to us. All of a sudden, thousands and thousands of people were dying. And even though we did not die during that attack, we felt as if we were dying because we were cut off from family and friends, not being able to visit one another, not even being able to worship with one another. I can still remember what it was like to come into this sanctuary and to video a worship service so that all of you could watch it from home. I can still remember just how difficult it was to stand up here and to preach to a bunch of empty pews. It felt like, friends, that I was preaching to a valley of dry, dead bones. And I know my preaching was affected by preaching to an empty sanctuary Sunday after Sunday. Well, even after we finally began to worship again, we, our numbers were still really, really, really down. I laugh about it now because when we first started worshiping together again, I was encouraging people to practice social distancing and stay six feet away from each other. Well, there wasn't that many people in this sanctuary. Everybody was 20 and 30 feet away from each other. I didn't have to say, hey, don't sit six foot close to somebody at all. And as I looked out here in preaching in those early days that we were returned, 
it felt like a bunch of disconnected dry bones. There was a bone over here and a bone back there and a bone back here, but we were still very much separated and disconnected from one another. And friends, I remember sulking and stewing about why people weren't coming back and why they weren't coming back as quickly as we would like. And then I was rereading this passage of Scripture because it was resonating with me so much at the time. And it was then that I noticed something that really hadn't leapt off the page at me before. And what I noticed was is that Elijah, as he was being taken around that valley of dry bones and seeing how dead everything appeared, and when God asked him, Elijah, uh, Elijah Ezekiel, starts with an E, right? Ezekiel, uh, can these bones live? I remember having those same kinds of thoughts. But what did God tell Ezekiel to do in the midst of those dry bones? He said, preach the good news. And God promised Ezekiel that if you just preach the good news, then all of a sudden I'm going to bring all of these dry dead bones that feel so disconnected and separated, I'm going to bring them back together and I am going to give them life. That's what the passage said. And so Ezekiel, despite the evidence to the contrary, this looks like a pretty dead place to be, he had to have thought, began to prophesy or to proclaim the good news to those bones. And wouldn't you know it, those disconnected and separated bones started coming back together. Then there's something else I noticed. And maybe this was the greatest epiphany for me at the time. Did you notice that even when Ezekiel starts preaching the good news to those bones, that which was separated and disconnected, they began to come back together, but they still didn't really have any life to them? It's a, it was a, as if God were saying to Ezekiel, I'm going to do what I promised to do, but it's not going to be immediate. It's going to happen in stages. And that really resonated with my spirit. Because as I stood up here in the early days of that pandemic, and I began to see slowly and slowly people coming back together, those of us who had been disconnected and separated, reconnecting, it was still pretty lifeless at times. And I really found myself wondering, along with Ezekiel, Will these bones ever really live again? That's the way I felt. And I had to come to grips with the reality that God was going to breathe new life into that which was dead, but that it might not happen all at once. It might take a while. But what God said to Ezekiel, I felt as if God was saying to me, Tommy, just keep proclaiming the good news. Keep preaching the good news. It will happen. It's going to happen in stages, but it will happen. There will be new life. I think about that now, and 
I realized that that true, how true that really was. You know, we had people that left us when the pandemic began and have never come back to church. I, I can't get them to tell me why. Some of them don't even know why. Some of them may have joined another church. We had people that left and never came back. But you know what else happened? We had people to start coming after the pandemic that had never been here before. Um, we had some instances where I was really worried about um, how small groups were going to take place. We've had some small groups that ended. We've had other small groups that began. I never imagined that I would be a televangelist or that people would sit at home and watch me on their screens week after week after week. And I thought that that would be a great detriment because I thought that people would get lazy and they would start watching stuff at home on TV instead of coming back. And that may be true for some folks. I, I don't really know. But what I do know is that God used this televangelist preacher during that pandemic because people actually tuned into our worship services at St. Mark's for the very first time. And now some of those same people are sitting in the pews today and the only reason they're here is because we had to get with it and offer online worship during a pandemic and people began to watch and they began to come to church. This morning we have three new people joining our church. We've had more baptisms in the past year than I can remember in a recent ministry experience. Uh, we've got two people that God is working on, at least two, two people in this congregation who are experiencing a call to ordained ministry that are saying yes to that call today despite everything that we've been through as a denomination and as a world. And there's some good stuff happening. You know, one of the things I asked our a business administrator, Buddy Howell, is that I want to know whenever somebody makes a first-time gift to the church because what that says to me is that if you start putting money in the plate on Sunday morning, that you're invested, that you kind of like what's going on here. And so I want to be one of the first people to actually thank you for making whatever size gift that is a first-time gift to the church. I want to reach out and thank you. Did you know that in the last month that we've had as many as 12 to 15 new first-time gifts to St. Mark's United Methodist Church? Did you know that we've had adult professions of faith in our church, people that have been baptized as adults? Do you know how rare that is in the United Methodist Church today where we encourage people to get baptized and to profess their faith as children and teens, that we would have adult professions of faith? at St. Mark's. I just think about where we were two years ago and, and wondering, can these bones live? Can this church survive? And then all of a sudden, it's just like, okay, God, I got it. It didn't happen all at once. It happened in stages. But you told us to keep preaching the good news of God's love. Even more specifically than that, when, when the bones didn't come to life like Ezekiel said that they thought that they should, God said, pray for the breath. Now that word breath is ruach. And that word breath can be translated breath, like breathing in and out. It's the same word that was used in the book of Genesis where it says that God breathed into the first man and woman the breath 
of life. But that word can also be translated spirit, as in an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So what God told Ezekiel to do, and what I believe God wants us to pray for as a church here at St. Mark's, is to pray for the breath. Pray that there would be new life in this place. Pray that there would be an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it may not happen all at once. It may be slow. It may be in stages. But those bones can live. If that is our focus of our prayer. So I'm going to keep preaching the good news. I'm going to keep praying for the breath. The new life for each of us as individuals. New life for us as the church. But even more importantly for an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, as Ezekiel was walking around that valley that day in this vision that he was having, he thought that that was a dead end. It turns out it was where death ends and where new life begins. May it be so for St. Mark's. May we pray for new life and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and may we see the evidence that that which appears dead is experiencing new life.